This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, uh, me and Joe this time last week, we sat down, chatted a bit about managers for oh, a few couple of names at the top of the list. And uh, here we are at the end of the bank holiday on a, on a Monday evening, reacting to our new manager, of course, uh, Graham Alexander coming into the football club, a man who, you know, we, we I think he was our top choice out of the top options on the list anyway, in terms of gaffers that could come in. And obviously the club have done exactly that and brought him into the football club, which is... Uh, well, we'll get into our thoughts, but I'm fairly excited about it all. And Joe, I'm sure you're at least excited to talk about it and give us your thoughts on it all. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he's the guy that we kind of, out of the three three front runners for the odds, he was the one we, I think we basically just agreed on that would probably suit us the most. Um, and it came out pretty much, what, three days after? So, yeah, yes. thanks for the club for waiting. Uh, but <laughs> they always yeah, I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure Pete Winkerman was listening to our podcast and thought, you know what, these lads have said that we should get Graham in, let's get him in. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't blame him. So After after the year we've had, he could do worse <laughs> to, to listen to us. Uh, but it's not just myself and Joe on the call this evening. Um, we've got Charlie Gregory on the call who, um, oh yeah, Charlie, give us a bit, a bit of background on yourself and your sort of relationship with, with Graham and, and Salford in particular. Yeah, cheers, boys. So, I was the um, Salford City correspondent um, for the Manchester Evening News um, when Graham Alexander was the manager of of Salford City. Um, so obviously followed him pretty closely, um, went to most of the press conferences, followed them home and away. Um, so I've got plenty of insight on what he's like as a person and uh, what he's like as a manager as well. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much for taking part of your Monday evening, um, put you back to work tomorrow to, uh, to yeah, sit down with us and chat about Graham, basically, because you're in sort of be definitely valuable compared to mine and Joe's thoughts on it all, which is very much an outside perspective. But I suppose we'll just get stuck straight into it in terms of our immediate thoughts. I mean, we, we gave a bit of background as to what we were potentially thinking last last week's episode, which you haven't listened to, please do. Um, but of course, you know, with Graham and Chris coming in, I think as a team, they have like some ridiculous amount of appearances. It's like way over like 1200 plus something stupid like that in terms of uh, player appearances. And obviously they've worked together as a team for about the same time as that as well. Um, so I think, I think Graham, Graham mentioned in his interview how like they don't particularly, weren't particularly mates when they did it, but it was more like a mutual respect thing and they've worked together a lot, did the coaching badges together. At Preston, um, obviously Graham was head of youth development for a period also. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, listening to podcasts, whatever I can on Graham, basically. And I think him and Chris have, I think he's learned a lot from the managers he's worked on. And I think one of the key things you can sort of tell from not only a manager, but a person is, are they a bit of a sponge in terms of what they've taken from their previous experience as a player, as a coach, as a manager, whatever it may be, and like sort of transitioning into their own sort of style of management or like how they are as a person. And, you know, obviously when he was under da- under David Moyes, when he was under sort of Urban Coyle, I think he learned a different a different balance of like ruthlessness from Moyes in terms of like just an absolute working yourself into the absolute ground, but ultimately like getting the results at the end of it and getting those appearances to Scotland. But also when it comes to Owen Coyle, like having that family feel. And I think Chris mentions about in his interview how uh, Chris Lucchetti is going to be the main person in regards to like dressing room and Graham's going to take a bit more of a backseat, maybe Liam and working on the actual um, play on the pitch. But I think that I think they come across as quite a nice team who understand both their roles quite well. And have obviously their previous results are getting too late to kind of show their success in this sort of model. Um, so I think as opposed to some of the other names that we heard, like the Cowleys, like um, Appleton, for example, whilst Appleton has got a um, track of track record of youth progression, as does Graham, to be fair, I think we've seen here's a bit more of a, a bit more direction maybe from these two. And I think overall, when you listen, you hear, you hear Graham speak, and I'm sure it was the same in the interview, um, he comes across really, really well. And he sort of knows what he's talking about. And I think the presentation, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that presentation that he gave to obviously Liam, uh, Pete and the rest of the team. But it comes across that he has a clear direction of what he wants. And the fact that he's already gone to, I'm against this later also, the fact he's already gone to Liam Sweeting and he's asked about certain positions and players is uh, it's very interesting. And it's very exciting, actually. And I think it's the first time in the world that I've been is excited about Don's manager. Um, I think cause most of the time it's, it's very much, we don't know who the hell they are. Like Mark Jackson, didn't even know who he was. Um, the same can be said for Robbie Nielsen, for example. Um, whereas Graham Alexander, you've heard of his name, you've seen what he's done, and this record sort of shows itself. And, you know, if if, they, if it continues, then you'd like to think that we're in for at least a decent season, Joe. But what were your initial thoughts when, obviously we spoke about last week, what were your initial thoughts when it was officially announced? Yeah, no, I was, I was really pleased that we decided to go this direction. Um, I think he's someone that he, he's a quite a safe bet, I think, as well. But there is the potential for a lot of upside as well. Um, I mean, his, his record speaks for itself. And you mentioned the longevity, you know. Um, it also, he's got about 450 appearances as uh, 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 games that he's managed. Um, and that's always been with Lucchetti, as far as I um, yeah, can tell, has, yeah. as well. So... And I think as well, another benefit of appointing him is he's been out um, for a year and he actually mentioned in his interview that he's, you know, given this period uh, as a chance to learn. And I think that's really important where a manager actually, you mentioned about managers he's worked under, but actually, you know, being able to step back and look at what he could have potentially done better at uh, previous jobs and also how the leagues are going, latest trends, etc. And I'm sure he wouldn't have been short of offers. So I think the fact that he's he's selected us does show that maybe we've offered him, um, you know, a lot of control. And and you mentioned as well with the recruitment. I think he he actually said about he's he knows the attributes he wants in certain players. And for me, that was an issue in the summer where it seemed like we were just getting some half decent players, but they actually didn't fit together as a team. So I think that the fact he knows what he wants 
Um, and also, you know, he, having seen what's already here, I think that's really positive because in January we saw that we knew what we wanted and we were able to get that and we did improve in January. Okay, albeit not enough, but I think the fact that he, he he's quite clear on what he wants and but I think he could, him and Liam can really work well together. Um, I also think as well, like, you know, just in terms of how he comes across, he comes across really measured, but I don't think he'll take any crap from people, you know. If And I think the myth that, you know, Liam Sweeten signs all the players and um, and and the manager has no say, I don't think that would um, would be the the way it goes under this. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's been the way it's gone under previous managers, but I think that, you know, Alexander, he will definitely have an authority when it comes to that. And I think he's just, you know, I think it, it will, almost his presence, it demands respect as well, just from what he's done in the game. So, all round, um, yeah, pleasant. Um, I think it's a really sensible appointment. It, it fits the criteria that Pete laid out in terms of, you know, League Two uh, experience and success. Um, he's got promotions, and uh, yeah, I'm just overall just a really solid appointment. I think you know that I don't think there's much risk to it, but I think there's quite a lot of upside to it as well. Yeah, and I think whether he's been as a player or manager, um, maybe more so a player in this case, I suppose that. I think both him, him and Chris, and I've I mentioned their interviews and Pete did as well that they've they've been there and seen it all, essentially. Um, so whether that be you know I say coming through as the youngsters as players or like being veterans in the Cecil teams, you know they can relate to pretty much even relate to Dean Lewington in terms of longevity. So they're not gonna not gonna have an experience that pops up. They're gonna be a bit like scared of, and I think that's that's such a key thing that this club probably hasn't really had since. Maybe ever. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, Tisdale potentially had some sort of experiences, but I don't want to go back to him anytime soon. Um, whereas, yeah, I think Graham, whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch, he's probably experienced a lot in his career. And that's a really, really good thing to have. And you'd like to think that it should get us more results and than not next season in a League Two, which is looking, you know, I wouldn't say we're the biggest fish in the pond. Absolutely. But we should be up there in terms of our players that we do have and obviously the size of our facilities in some senses so yeah you'd like to hope that with um alexander and lucchetti's experiences and just general like philosophies we should be up there really and in many ways that's um that's kind of justified by i think alexander's and lucchetti's like accomplishments as coaches so far um i think one of the main reasons actually and i, want, I think why we justified it on our socials and the fact that you know this this coaching staff have had three playoff appearances already and have been successful in two of them with Fleetwood and Salford, um, as well as, of course, European Revenges and Motherwell and an EFL Trophy winner on top of that. So been to Wembley plenty of times. And I think Pete's been, to add to the sensibility of what we've just spoken about, is has been even more sensible on the fact that he's not saying that, of course, uh, we, we obviously our aim is to win the league, of course it is, but I think they've been a bit sensible on the fact that if we do get into the playoffs, which, as MK Dons fans know, our record is literally the worst possible it could be. Um, in terms of not really winning any games in playoffs and just being absolutely abysmal. We now have a coach and staff that have been very successful in the playoffs overall and can, again, add to perhaps overclout or shadow um, bad experiences with good ones and hopefully transact into the players overall. And that is something that, again, we've never really had in the manager before and a coach staff before, so we can only hope that that especially with a younger group who are going to need sort of maturing and moulding into these sort of players, at least in the moment anyway, in terms of the, the ages, then that, that should be a really, really good sign. But uh, Charlie, I'll go over to you in terms of obviously 
when it was with Salford and the playoffs, what was what was Graham like as a coach, and what did you see from him being in like, the press conferences and watching the games and things like that? Yeah, he's he's top class. I mean, I'm just listening to you both there, and I, I'm not going to sit on the fence. I think he's, I think it's a major coup, especially for this level. Um, he's just got plenty of experience. I think that's the thing in terms of in the EFL, there aren't really too many managers that come close to him in terms of getting that game experience. Like you say, he's played over a thousand times and coming up to about 500 in terms of um, games that he's overseen as a manager from the dugout as well. Um, and I think it just sort of comes across in his, almost his aura as well. You know, when you speak to him, when you listen to him, he comes across as the kind of manager that you want to play for and, and he garners that respect. So especially with a young squad, as as you both say, I think he's he's the perfect um perfect man to bring in really um and I, I will be honest I'm, I'm surprised that he's gone down to to league two again because I think he is a league one manager um I know that he's had a year out after Motherwell um and I know that he was sort of taking some time and mulling over what was going to be the right opportunity for him as you say Joe there wasn't there wasn't um a shortage of people that will have approached him um so he obviously thinks that this is the right project for him and with Graham, he's, I mean, especially when he came to Salford, he wasn't looking into the near future. It's always a case of where can he see himself taking the club within two or three years. And I'm sure that'll be in the back of his mind as well. Um, and I'm pretty sure off the top of my head that this is only the second time that he's come into a club at the start of the season and at the start of a, a summer window. You know, there's been so many times where he's inherited a club that's almost on a downward spiral. Um, and like I say, this is only the second time that he's been able to come in and implement his plans from from day dot. So it'll be interesting to see what he does this summer and what the vision is for for MK Dons. Yeah, I think everyone's very intrigued to see that also. And I think I think what well, preseason will probably start in needs the testing will start in a couple of weeks' time, maybe three weeks' time. So it's going to come very thick and fast and. Obviously, whilst the focus may be, yeah, like maybe recruitment settling in, uh, the, the players will be back soon enough and uh, they'll be sort of speaking to Gray and speaking to Chris and uh, hopefully the rest of the coaching staff once that's been sorted out. Um, but Joe, when you had a look through sort of Alexander's accomplishments and everything he's done as a coach as well as a player, what sort of stuck out to you? Um, well, <clears throat> you've already mentioned the two playoff successes with Fleetwood and Salford. Um he even had a brief, well, the stint at Motherwell ended in European success. Um, I think by all accounts, it maybe didn't end that well with Motherwell, but I can't tell you um, really why. Um, maybe Charlie can come in on that in a bit. Um, and also the EFL Trophy win as well, you know, big. Was that with Salford, was that? Yeah, well, it, it was a weird one because he, he got them to the final and then the season was curtailed because of COVID. Yeah. So... Um, Richie Wellens was the manager by the time that they actually managed to, you know, get the rescheduled final. So it was a tap in for Wellens, really. But it was, uh, <laughs> I guess you could say it was Alexander's groundwork. I'll give him that one. But 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 for a League Two team, that's you know that's quite impressive to get to the final. I don't think I can't think of many times that's actually happened. Um, I know Luton won it, I think, in the year that they actually got relegated to the National League. Well, that was, you know, going back donkeys years. Oh, we won it as well, didn't we? Obviously, two thousand and eight, we were. Yeah, Papa. Um, um, yeah, against Grimsby. Yeah, yeah. 
John, it was Johnson's paint back then. God. I know, I know. Keith what Andrews, was, what, what was it when they won it? Was it the leasing.com or? He might have been, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he's he's not necessarily romp to league, but I think he, he, he seems to have um, just been really solid and the, the, the playoff successes as well. With Fleetwood and Salford, they're both sort of up and coming teams. And um, I mean, it's quite impressive, to, you know, considering as well, they're probably what might people might categorise as if you want so-called smaller teams without the, the history as such. Um, so, I mean, where would you say that that his best achievements were um, in terms of just looking back, Charlie? I think it's all over, really. I mean, you're right in what you say. He's steady and I think he's he's solid. You look at everywhere he's been, he's he's done a good job. Um, first full season at Fleetwood, promotion. First full season at Scunthorpe, playoffs. The season after, he was sacked in March with Scunthorpe in fifth. And I mean, you've just got to look where they are now. Um you know, it's not the uh, not the greatest run football club. So he was obviously doing a pretty good job back then. Um, Salford, his first season. I mean, I mean, it was Salford's first season in the National League, which I think is forgotten about quite a bit. You know, he dropped down two divisions to take them over, and then obviously got them through the playoffs. So that was a major achievement, I think. Um, and looking back on the squad, yes, people will say that Salford had a lot of money and invested a lot of money, but there was a lot of players in that squad that hadn't necessarily got experience at that level or, you know, the club itself was still learning about itself and still evolving. So the the fact that he managed to take them up a level, first time of asking, um, you know, is something that should be commended. I think even in that COVID season as well, they were 10th with nine games to go. Um, and I'm pretty sure they'd won three of the last four games before the season got curtailed. So you could argue that they were coming into a good run of form at a really important time in the season. So they were unlucky that um, the season got ended when it did. And then obviously um, the season following, he was sacked after five games by Gary Neville, which was um, it's a decision that a lot of people still have a... Unbeaten as well. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, I think it was two wins and three draws. So not amazing, but they were unbeaten, yeah. And it was just seemed at the time a really erratic decision from Neville. And there was, it was a game against Tranmere. Um, it's funny, actually, I'd, um, I I couldn't go to it. So I missed his last ever game. Because um, <laughs> the, the week before, we travelled down to Stevenage and um, the guy that had driven us there, he tested positive for COVID. So oh. he wiped out all of the media team, really. So none of us were there to see Graham's last game. But um, yeah, Salford were two 0 up, coasting against Tranmere, and then um, I think there was two two goals in the last like five minutes of the game, and Tranmere managed to level, and um, Gary Neville's got a bit of needle with um, with the Tranmere uh, ownership, I think. So I think it was one that sort of struck him a bit um, personally and emotionally, and it wasn't too long after that game that they made the decision to part ways with um, with Alexander, which. Gary Neville said after that he should have never have done it, and it was a big mistake. So again, it's a another place, another place where he's he's not necessarily been a failure. And then again, Joe, as you say, when he went to um, Motherwell, fifth in his first full season in charge, and got they were bottom as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
exactly. You know, I don't want to brandish him as a sort of firefighter, but, you know, at Fleetwood, Scunthorpe, Motherwell, he managed to take them over when they were sort of, like I say, on a bit of a downward spiral. And he's just that sort of solid manager, that cool head that will really turn things around, which is probably, you know, means that he's a very good fit for for your boys. Um, and like I say, the fact that he can come in at the start of the season and it's a clean slate and he can implement his own ideas means that he's got every chance of being a success again because he's got that track record wherever he's been. I, I mean, I'm I'm looking at it and I'm thinking he's not actually been a failure anywhere, really. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, sorry, I don't want to get your hopes. Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing we said was he's been on average um, over two years at every club. Like, on average, he's been over... And, you know, in the modern day game, that is very rare, especially, you know, at this level of football. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, obviously you mentioned about stopping the rot as such. And I think that's going to be something that's really important for us. And so, you know, in terms of him as a person coming away from the football stuff, I, mean, I know, I know, he's like your best mate, and you worship him, and all this. But, but how was he with like the press, the fans, and also the players? You know, did he rule with an iron fist? Was he let them just do their thing and yeah. took a step back? Or was it Lachetti that was the discipline guy, or how? You know, how did he work with those? You know, the press, the fans, and the players? Because I guess those are the key areas. Yeah, I think I need to reel it in a bit. Then I'm, I'm a bit like <laughs> the fans. You'll, you'll be getting a season ticket with us like this. <laughs> this yeah. I've got his face tattooed on my chest or something. Nah, he's uh, he's just a great guy, to be fair. I mean, he's like I say, he's top class. Um, I think, like I said, when he when he spoke to you in the press conferences, he, he speaks a lot of sense. He's very measured. He's got that nice balance of he knows when to have a joke and when to be serious. And I think he reads the fans well as well. Um, like he always knew how to dealt with, deal with the Salford fans. And I'm sure, you know, in a long football season like you get in League Two, there's going to be ups and downs. So I think he knows how to sort of ride the wave a little bit. Um, he does rule with a bit of an iron fist, I would say. I mean, there was a couple of times where, I mean, even in his first season, he had um, Danny Lloyd that he signed from Peterborough, which was a massive signing for for Salford. Um, and to be fair, this is one that I, I probably would say I didn't agree with Graham Alexander on this one, but he sort of froze Danny Lloyd out a little bit because he wasn't really working to the system and he, I guess he just didn't really get on with him too well. Um, I, the fans were a bit confused, but obviously it sort of paid dividends in the long run because Salford got promoted. So he's definitely not afraid to make those big decisions. Um, in terms of what he's like behind the scenes, I think he's very liked by his players. Um like I say, when you've got that experience in the football league and play as many games as you do and manage as many games as you do, you, you garner that respect. And I remember speaking to one player that I, I won't reveal who it is, but he said, I think it was about 10 months after Alexander had left, he said, um, it's sort of all just gone to shit. Sorry to swear. It's <laughs> That's a right, August. podcast, but he just said that, you know, in terms of how it was behind the scenes in the training ground, um, you know, they really missed him because, like you say, with all of that experience and pedigree that he's got, he really elevates the level of a of a training ground and a changing room. So, yeah, I think he's um, he's liked by his players, but he can also be pretty stern if he needs to be. Um, and yeah, I think he's I think he's got that nice sort of balance between knowing how to manage both 
the fans and the uh, the internally in the squad as well. So, yeah, interesting guy. So are we going to be getting fist pumps after a 1-0 win at home to Newport County or is he much more reserved than that? I think it depends. If it's if it's at the business end of the season and it's a really important win, then probably, yeah. But I think he'll be holding off on the fist bumps. I mean, for me personally... Because once you do them once, you can't get out of it. <laughs> yeah, he's not full like Klopp, so don't get expected. No, no hamstrings being pulled on the touchline. <laughs> no chance, no chance. So I suppose it's, we've spoken a lot about obviously how how Graham and maybe Chris are as people and obviously their compliments as like coaches. But in terms of in terms of style of play and probably the what well, one of the most important things to chat about, how you, how would you describe the style of play that you've seen, Charlie? Obviously, he I think Graham describes himself as quite an adaptable style that's fairly attacking at the same time in terms of goals scored. So is that is that a good summary? How would you describe it? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'd agree as such. Um, I think defensively he's very solid. I think he builds on those sort of solid foundations. He's definitely an attitude of, you know, if you don't if you don't concede, you don't lose, and then build from that. Really, um, that was certainly what he managed to establish at Salford. He always had a strong defence, and then anything else was a bit of a bonus on top of it. Um, it was a weird one at Salford because obviously there was, I think it's a unique situation in the fact that there's such a high turnover of players. Um, and there's obviously always going to be big characters and big names involved. Um, he had to be flexible and pretty adaptive. Um, in terms of his style, I think it initially it was like a almost like a three-five-two in um the national league, and then he switched to a four-four-two, and then I think it was almost a four-three-three just before COVID. Um, so. Yeah, there was a lot of flexibility, um, sort of trying to work around the personnel that he had because, like I say, it was always changing, so he had to be pretty adaptive. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say that he's got one sort of regimented system that you know he's going to mould his players by. It's more, certainly more of a pragmatic approach, I think, from him. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it sounds about right to be fair. I think I think that would have been one of the main. If I was Pete Winkleman in that sort of war room in terms of the uh, Don sort of recruitment team, I think having that adaptability and sort of working what you've got in some senses is is going to be quite important this year. Uh, we, meant, we mentioned on the last episode how we've got, I think Joe said it's 19 contracted players heading, in, heading into the summer window. Obviously, some may move on. Who knows? We'll find out in months or two's time. But ultimately, the, the core amount of those players are going to be at the club this season to play on, maybe with the addition of like maybe um, anywhere from like five to ten more. So we're gonna need those that core to really work with Alexander's style of play and and overall what he wants to do. So and the fact I think the fact that Graham sort of mentioned into you how he he likes to look at a squad in terms of the quality that is there right now is, is a good sign. Obviously he's not gonna say anything different because it's an interview and it's his first interview at the football club. But <laughs> I, th- I think he's being honest in that comment in many ways. Yeah. Um and I mean- we know that we know there's quality there as well because we've watched it. I mean, our keeper being the player of the season last year is <laughs> always a good sign of the quality that's there. But yeah, I think. Um... Oh, go on, go on, Charlie. Sorry, I was going to say, I really wouldn't be surprised if he brings a couple of his sort of like old guard. Like wherever he goes, there's always a couple of like trusted players that will follow him wherever. So 
one name I'm throwing out straight away. I really wouldn't be surprised to see Ash Hunter linked with you or, or something soon. Okay. He loves that kind of player, like a little bit of a flair, sort of, I don't want to say a bit of a bad lad, but, you know, off the scene, off off the field kind of character that, mm-hmm. you know, just gets bums off seats actually on the field. So, yeah, there'll, there'll be a few. Maybe Kevin Van Veen, I don't know what he's doing as well, but he loved him at Motherwell, so... They'll definitely he was at Scunthorpe as well, he would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just follow him, mate. I really don't know why, but he's just got those sort of three or four that seem to he really relies. He's just got he's just got 25 goals in the SPL, so don't yes, yeah. come into us. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I mean, I'd certainly take him, but I, I was gonna say you say that, but I mean Salford got um Callum Hendry, who'd I think he'd got a really good record at Inverness. I think it was Inverness. Also in the Scottish Premier League, I'm pretty sure he scored like nine goals in his last season, um, which was a pretty decent record. So, you know, you never know. Depends what sort of offer you're putting on the table for Mr. Van Veen, but you might want to move back down south of the border. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, I suppose it speaks to the credit of Graham, doesn't it, and his team that those players just do, do want to come back and just don't want to play under him. It must, must be a real credit to obviously him and his, and his setup currently. So fair play to him. Yeah, I'd say as well, there's there's no way Salford were going to attract the players that they did if not for the pull of Graham Alexander. Um, you know, and I think that was why they made the decision that they did to get rid of um, Byrne and Jono, you know, the, the double managers um, before that, you know, they were wildly successful with Salford, but were they going to be able to convince players from League One and League Two to drop down and join Salford in their first season in the National League? No, I don't think so. So, Graham certainly coming in was a, a big impact on on the the players that Salford could attract. I mean, you think about the players that were there whilst he was manager. Like I said, Danny Lloyd, Adam Rooney, um, Darren Gibson was there, James Wilson. Um, you know, they're the ones just off the top of my head. You know, they could have all quite feasibly moved to a League One football club and they'd either join Salford in the National League or in League Two and Look, I'm not going to sort of try and pull the wool over your eyes. They've not gone to Salford to play for a massive fan base or, you know, they might get a nice wage packet, but it really is to play for a manager like Graham Alexander because you know that you're going to learn and he is going to get you somewhere in the league. So, yeah, he's he's got that pull, I think, and I, I won't be surprised if you manage to pull off some coups this summer in terms of signings that are really left field that you wouldn't have expected. So... Yeah, I'm going to put 20 quid on Kevin Van Veen right now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose before we take a little break and move on to like, the current squad and potentially the summer window, um, we'll get some of your guys' thoughts on on the appointment because obviously we asked him earlier in the week. Uh, David said he's really excited. He feels it's the right profile of manager and good timing. Um, I, I completely agree. Um, Frey said it's potentially six months too late, which is obviously hindsight is beautiful, but I appreciate why he said that. Um, and yeah, hopefully he can guide us to promotion and show a bit of fight in the team, which would be good. Um, Will makes quite a sarcastic comment that it's not an experienced manager this time, uh, which is always good. Uh, and yeah, Jonathan and, and Chris, yeah, experienced head, really excited and enthusiastic about it all. Um, and as a forward team, what happens if the right recruitment is there, which I'm, I'm sure it will be. And I know the lads are working hard on it already. So yeah, we'll take a short little break and then we'll get into uh, the current squad and potentially who could be coming in. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, lads, let's get into the current squad that we do have, which is obviously the retain list that was released a couple of weeks ago. And let's have a little chat about them and see who we think might do well on this Alexander team. Um, I mean, Joe, a few names spring out to me, but I'll let you kick us off. Who's who's a couple of names that sort of on that list that we've got on our pod sheet that you think they could do well under Alexander? Um, I think, you know, I don't want to generalise, and I think Charlie could maybe help us out a little bit on this, but I think he, he, what, he would want players that put in a shift. And I think that, like, he may have a, a time for a flair-type player, but I don't think there'll be many of them that will particularly thrive. So I think someone like, uh, and Ethan Robson, who's been out the side a bit, you know, a central midfielder, full of energy. Well, he was at one point, but <laughs> we didn't really see that last season. Um, maybe a Matt Smith, um, D- Dan Harvey. I think players that w- are willing to just give it everything, I think they'll do quite well under him. And I think that, you know, maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Charlie, but maybe, I think it may be attitude might, uh, might, you know, be more important to him than perhaps just a good technical ability as such. Yeah, 100%, really. I think that's the thing. He he rewarded the players at Salford that you could tell had the right attitude and sort of matched his his values. And I think the way that he played as a player, that's how he wants his teams to play as well. You know, sort of hard in the tackle, um, blood on the shirt, you know, heart on the sleeve and all of that jazz. Um, so yeah, you, you're spot on there. I think he'll he'll definitely be he'll have a place for those players that will give it 110 percent and will like a big meaty tackle really, and a, and a good penalty as well because obviously he's got a great penalty record. So yeah, he'll probably want to get one of them in his team as well. Yeah, it's almost like in many ways because I know I know Alexander spoke about the quality of the squad in his interview, but in, in many ways he might focus on actually getting them personalities in the door because. There's, I think there's a somewhat of a chance that some of the names that we're seeing there aren't potentially at the club uh, come what, the first weekend of August when we have our first game of the season. So there's a, there's a shout to say that he maybe just focus on the sort of asset mentioned attributes, but as players, but also that sort of mentality and just maybe the non-tangible stuff that you maybe see from players. Because I don't think there's, there's a few personalities in that team I'm looking at right now, but as mentioned, they're quite young lads who are still sort of learning the learning the trade a little bit and. Some of them obviously got on loan, things like that. But overall, I'm not seeing a lot of a lot of real experience and a lot of real just like oomph there for me. So that could be potentially a position where or positions where we, we target in particular. Yeah, 
I, I'd agree with that. I think I remember is the last window before he got sacked. Um, I remember asking him, you know, because the, the players that he brought in were real high caliber. Um, you know, they brought in Jordan Turnbull, Ian Henderson was obviously Rochdale's captain, Tom Clark was um, Preston's captain, which was a big coup. Obviously, they signed Ash Hunter as well. Um, George Boyd came in and he, he said that he wanted, and I always remember it, he said that he just wanted captains and leaders. Um, so I feel like he is that kind of manager where he wants those people that he can trust around him and in the dressing room and sort of um, helping out the the sort of the younger lads in the squad. Because I think that's the thing. If you've got a squad that has that experience and that know-how, you don't necessarily need to manage him or man-manage him too much. I think he likes to leave the players to sort of look after themselves. So I think it's important that he has those players that you can trust to do that. Um, and he certainly had that in in the National League as well. They had players like Chris Neal, Nathan Pond, uh, Liam Hogan, Carl Piergiani, who's obviously now been, well, he was up for League Two Player of the Season. I'm not sure if he did win it or not. but he scores headers every week. <laughs> yeah, but like just great characters that, you know, he knew he wouldn't have a problem with them in the dressing room and they'd be able to sort of manage the rest of the players and sort of lead by example. So he'll definitely bring players like that in this summer for you, no no doubt about it. And how actually was he with, say, young emerging talent? Like, Was there many, any that stood out in, in the case of Salford where they were raw and... Because, you know, so much of our team is under the age of sort of 23... And they've shown it in flashes, but it's just they just don't have that consistency. So, I mean, I think there's one name which has gone on to do quite well. And it's someone that we actually know fairly well as well. So do you want to take it away? I was just about to say, you're, you're perfectly tearing me up. <laughs> Thomas Asante, aren't, aren't you? Yeah, he's... Uh... Oh, that's not the one I was on, about. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> I was going to say, there's nobody else. Uh, <laughs> no, I think Brandon was a really interesting one. Um and I always remember Graham actually protected him because when he first came in, he didn't, it was always a bit of a weird signing because nobody was really talking about it. There was, there was bigger names that had come in, um, you know, like Jake Jervis, uh, Tom Elliott was signed from Millwall. Hunter had come in on loan at the time as well. There was obviously James Wilson, Ash Eastham, um, Craig Conway, um, Gibson, you know, list goes on um so it was a bit weird when they'd signed this lad from Ebbsfleet that had been released by you guys at the start of the season but you could tell that there was a player there like he played a few times in the um FA trophy and Graham really tried to sort of manage Brandon's expectations and sort of the press's expectations as well like he wouldn't let us as the media interview him for his first season um, he wouldn't let the documentary crew go near him either because he didn't want to sort of like inflate his ego or, you know, get him carried away. So he really like gradually eased Brandon into things. Um, and I think that paid off for him, you know, because when he did eventually get into the team, he was a pretty key player from from his first game. So, yeah, I think he, he's shown that if he has those players at his disposal that have the potential to go on and do big things, then... He knows how to manage their expectations and external expectations and really sort of um, help them grow. So, yeah, Brandon was a, well, it was just incredible, really. I mean, I don't think anybody 
saw him going and doing as well as he has as quickly as he has. But um, fair play to him. I mean, obviously, see it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, obviously, I think it's sort of segue to Joe in terms of chatting about the sort of striker room and, and someone like Will Grigg in particular. I know, I know Charlie referred to obviously some of the older and more experienced lads having to sort of nurture some of the younger guys, Scott, which is quite a few of them. And I think potentially Will could be someone that could do quite well in League Two if he gets to service. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, Joe. Obviously, Last season, he had spells of scoring goals, but he does think drops the division. Um, he gets a few more, hopefully. I mean, yeah, you'd like to think so. Uh, especially, you know, I, I think we were all surprised, actually, in the first place that he got a two-year deal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't think he's a bad player to have at this level. And as you say, especially if that's what, you know, I think one thing you can never accuse Will Grigg of is, is from shying away from a game. You know, even if he's having a stinker he's he's still running about trying to chase it and that and um you know even though he may not have the quality of say Mo Iser, he might be more um he might be more conducive to a Graham Alexander system potentially um I mean I know Mo Iser has been it does have the experience as well but you wouldn't necessarily uh characterize him as a leader as such but he is still a quality player and I think you know I'm sure Graham will find um room for uh, a space for those quality players but yeah I think especially with the youngest strikers we do have Will Grigg could play quite a key role and you know Dan Harvey I mentioned as well um and, and that's, we don't really have many sort of mid-20s players as such do we yeah we've got we genuinely only have I mean you've got Zach Jules who's 24 uh Dan Harvey who's 24 Dean Lewington who's 20 who, well 20 no he's not 38 um and then everyone else is like 24 Four and below, I think. Yeah, I think Lecco will be twenty-four this season, won't he? But yeah, Lecco. So I think everyone's under twenty-five, and then you've got Will Grigg, Mo Iser, and that's and then Lewington. I think that's it. So it is very, very. I think. Um, I think we kind of know the profile of player we might be getting in then, Charlie. Yeah, I. I think looking at Will Grigg as well, I'm going to stick what journalistic in, integrity I've got left on the line here and say. I think he'll probably get about 15 goals for you this season at the very least. And I know that's a bit rogue because he's not hit double figures for about six, seven seasons. But I think he's the sort of perfect player for a Graham Alexander. Um, I'm just actually, I'm seeing that he's, could you imagine if he's sold in about a week's time and I'm just going to look like a right idiot? <laughs> um, but I, I think he is like, he just fits the mould of a Graham Alexander striker. Like we've talked about with Van Veen at Motherwell, they're very similar in terms of their attributes. It was the same with Adam Rooney at Salford. You know, it's sort of like not too reliant on pace, but just a proven finisher and a proven goal scorer. Um, I think he'll be able to sort of unlock that streak back in in Will Grigg. And I think he, he knows that, you know, if he's got that kind of player at his disposal then he will work that sort of attacking unit around that player um, like he almost did with uh, with Rooney and even Thomas Asante to an extent. So I'd be excited to see what he can do with players like Will Grigg and potentially giving them a, a new lease of life. Yeah, I think he'll definitely go for experience at the back. You know, I know there's there'll be plenty of goalkeeper and, and like right-back options that are available on threes, you know. I know Kieran Freeman was one that was highlighted the other day, which is an option out of many of them, I'm sure, are out there currently. 
Um, but I wouldn't be shocked to see experience at the back and youth and attack him anyways this year. Besides Rodrigo, of course. Well, yeah, George Williams, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it says there's plenty of options out there that uh, the club could go for. Um, but yeah, I, I think rather focus on positional groups, it will be a lot of, as we've also said on this sort of in, um, podcast, a lot of a lot of experience across the pitch because we've certainly got enough enough youth players everywhere that are going to give the squad plenty of energy, hopefully. And uh, and uh, yeah, a, a youth appeal to it all, really. Hmm. Okay. I think we'll round it off there. We've got on for quite enough for, for a Monday evening, so we've all got work tomorrow. Uh, and Joey had work today, so I think we'll leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Charlie, before we let you go, um, please just give us a plug of your work and everything you do with the PA. Yeah, just um, you can follow me on my, my socials. My Twitter is um, Charlie Greg, but it's it's two eyes. The Twitter's exposed me. I used to be able to get both the capital I in my app. And Elon's just gone, no, you're not having that anymore. So, yeah, you can find me over there. I just tweet a load of rubbish about football and occasionally uh, Stoke City, Huddersfield Town, Salford City, and then obviously my beloved Wolves, which will probably be more sort of moany and ranty than anything else. So, yeah, I'm sure none of you will be that bothered, but, yeah, that's where I am. Great stuff. Well, thanks for coming on tonight and just giving your thoughts on, obviously, Alexander and, and obviously the squad and things like that. And um, yeah, I think not sure when the next episode will be actually. It might be when maybe pre season's announced or any potential signings are announced. Uh, so it might be a couple of weeks away yet. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in as always to this episode. And come on, you nonce. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.